the text or the portion of the Bible that we're going to be reading this morning is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And Kia is going to help read it for us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son, the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Allow me to pray for us. Uh, Father, we come under your word. Would you minister to us? Would you speak into our hearts? Strengthen us by your grace and help us to grow in a greater revelation of your son, Christ Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. This Christmas morning, we're going to simply behold the mystery and the beauty and the glory of the incarnation. God become man in Christ Jesus. The key phrase we're going to be looking at uh, in the passage we read is this. The word became flesh. This, this, is, this is the essence of Christmas. The word became flesh. God became man. At one level, we all get this. Jesus, the son of God, was born as a man to save us. We get it. But if we just stop with this basic understanding of God becoming man, it would be like, like seeing a great meal spread out on a table, uh, commenting how, how wonderful the spread is, and just moving on. So today we're going to sit down to enjoy the meal. My goal for us this Christmas morning is to invite us into a deeper reflection of the doctrine of incarnation. Why would I like to do this? Uh, there is a saying that true theology leads to true doxology. Theology is the study of the nature of God. Doxology is, is simply put the actual worship of God. So true theology leads to true doxology or, or worship. And so this morning I'd like to lead us into a deeper exploration, a deeper understanding, and a deeper appreciation of the doctrine of incarnation so that we can all together grow in our worship of Christ Jesus. So from the passage we read, 
I like to draw just two things, the theology of incarnation and our doxology or our worship because of his incarnation. The theology of incarnation and our doxology because of his incarnation. Let's look at the first thing, the theology of the incarnation. The word became flesh. And here's the first thing I like to unpack from this. The incarnation is an addition. It's not a subtraction. The incarnation is an addition, not a subtraction. Verse 1 from the passage we read. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the first verse leaves us in no doubt about the full and equal to God divinity of Christ Jesus. The word was God. Next, it tells us the word became flesh. And here's the important thing. The word or Jesus who was God did not cease to be God when he became flesh. The word became flesh simply means the fullness of God became or came into the fullness of flesh. The fullness of God came into the fullness of flesh. Jesus did not lay aside his divinity to take on humanity. No. In his incarnation, Jesus added the fullness of humanity to the fullness of his divinity. The incarnation was an addition, not a subtraction. There's a beautiful song called In Christ Alone. And a passage in the song goes like this. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, the fullness of God in helpless babe. Imagine the infant Jesus lying in a crib, tender, vulnerable, not knowing anything. An infant. Imagine the reality that the entire fullness of God housing himself within this utterly vulnerable infant. Listen. The incarnation is not a little bit of God housing himself in an infant. The incarnation is all of God housing himself in an infant. Let's get this clear. The incarnation is not one minus another. The incarnation is not one plus another. The incarnation is not one. The incarnation is one and the other. Let me explain. The incarnation is not one minus the other. God did not lay aside his divinity to become man. The incarnation is not one plus another in the sense that divine nature somehow did not get merged with the human nature to become a person in in Jesus Christ. No, the incarnation is one and the other. The full nature of God and the full nature of man, both distinct and yet together in one person, the person of Jesus Christ. 
Let me, let me simplify this even more for us. As I said, this morning is a reflection on the incarnation. When you take a can full of red paint and mix it with a can full of yellow paint, it becomes orange. Jesus is not orange. Jesus is not some kind of a mix between the godly nature and the human nature to become a person. No, his incarnation is different. Imagine a red thread and weave it together with a yellow thread. It forms a single cord where the red and the yellow will both always be distinct in that one single cord. One cord, but two distinct threads. One man, two distinct natures. Fully God and fully man. This is Christ incarnate. In his one person, the, in, his, in the one person of Christ Jesus dwells the full divine nature and the full human nature, each distinct but both natures in one person, fully God and fully man. And so when Mary and Joseph beheld the infant Jesus, he was every bit the utterly vulnerable infant, just as he was every bit the almighty God who spoke the entire universe into creation. We think we get it, don't we? Yeah, yeah, Jesus became God. I, I, I get it. I, I, I get it. No, you don't. No, we don't. If you think you really understand the incarnation... Uh, most of us, you know, have had Christian upbringing. We've celebrated Christmas for many, many, many years. So if you think you really get the incarnation, let me see if you can answer this question. I'm sure all of us have heard this song, Mary, Did You Know? I'm, I'm really tempted to sing that song, but I won't. Don't encourage me. And in, the, in that song, there's a really beautiful line which goes like this. When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. And the song goes on to say, Mary, did you know that your child is God himself? And I guess we all like that song. It's a neat song. It's a neat, it's really neat to play the song like that. Mary, did you know that your child, your infant was God himself? Mary... Did you know? Have you ever wondered, Jesus, did you know? Jesus, did you know? Did Jesus know? Did the infant Jesus know that he was God himself? Can you answer that question? If we think we got the incarnation, we figured out the incarnation. Can we answer the question, did the infant baby Christ know, newborn infant Jesus know, that he was God himself? The doctrine of incarnation says that Jesus is both fully God and fully man at the same time, right? 
So if he's fully God, well, if Jesus is fully God, then surely he would have known that he was God himself, even as, as he is an infant, because he is fully God. But if an infant can know who he is, he could never be fully human, could he? If Jesus is fully God, he would have known that he was God himself, even as an infant. But if Jesus is also fully man, if he had known that who he was as an infant, then he could not have been fully man, could he? So which is it? Let me unpack this for us. Speaking of a 12-year-old Jesus, the Gospel of Luke says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor of God and man. And so this verse tells us that Jesus went through the learning process every infant and every child goes through. Jesus learned to eat as all human infants do. Jesus learned to walk as, all, as every human infant does. Jesus grew in his understanding and his knowledge slowly just as any other child. I hope you're, you're wrestling now with the mystery of the incarnation. When we see the incarnation as two distinct natures, God, fully God and fully man, in one person, the red thread and the yellow thread, distinct but woven together into one thread, then this mystery begins to resolve. So Jesus, did you know? Here's the answer to the question. The godly nature of the person of Christ Jesus knew. The godly nature of the person of Christ Jesus knew he was an infant, but the human nature in the infant Jesus still did not know. We can infer that from Luke chapter 2. This is the glory and the mystery of the incarnation. In his crib, the newly born Jesus was sleeping blissfully, unaware of everything around him, just as a normal human infant. And yet, this very infant in the crib is also was also sustaining all of creation as he had created it and sustained it from before the beginning of time. In that moment on the crib, lying as an infant, Jesus both knew everything and yet, as a normal infant, also had to learn everything. In that moment, he knew everything and yet he knew nothing. Go figure the glorious mystery of incarnation. Let us not think we get it. Let us not brush aside Christmas as, as God became man and, and get on with life. We need to ponder. We need to pause. We need to reflect. We need to meditate. All with reverence and gratefulness. Jesus is one person, but the two distinct natures of divinity and humanity dwell in him. He is both fully God and fully man at the same time. 
I just need to step back for a minute to strongly and clearly clarify one thing. Jesus was not two different persons. That was an error brought in by a man named Nestorius in the 5th century. Jesus is not two different persons, but Jesus is the fullness of two distinct natures of God and man in one person. Theologians call this the hypostatic union. We can see this doctrine of incarnation, two distinct natures of God and man residing in the one person, Christ Jesus, playing so many ways, playing out in so many ways in the life of Jesus. When Jesus was hungry, he was operating in the human nature. And yet when Jesus multiplied a few loaves of bread to feed several thousands, he was operating in his divine nature. Or take another time when Jesus was tired and he was sleeping on a boat. That was in his humanity. And yet another day, this Jesus in his divinity walked on water to join his disciples who were sailing away on a boat. And yet at all times, Jesus was one person, not two, fully God and fully man. This is how one Bible commentator sums it up. He says, sleeping in a boat reflects Jesus' human nature and walking on water reflects his divine nature. Sleeping in the boat reflects Jesus' human nature and walking on the water reflects his divine nature. And yet, while sleeping as a man on the boat, he still upheld the universe. And yet, while walking on water as God, Jesus still used human feet. Two natures, one person, fully God, fully man. This is Jesus Christ incarnate. Jesus would feel weak. He would sweat. He would bleed. He would weep. He would go hungry. He would go thirsty. And yet he would also give sight to the blind, get the lame to walk, raise the dead to life, calm the storms with his word. And yes, forgive people of their sins. This is the beauty and the mystery and the glory of the full and complete nature of God and the full and complete nature of man, both dwelling together in one person, Christ Jesus. This is the doctrine of incarnation. This is the word become flesh. This is Christmas. And we will never, ever fully get it. Noted theologian Wayne Gruden Grudem has this to say. He says, the incarnation is by far the most amazing miracle in the entire Bible. Far more amazing than the resurrection. Far more amazing than the creation of the universe. We can't be a church that says Jesus was born as a man. Merry Christmas. Eat some cake and get on with our lives. We've got to be a church that savors, that cherishes the fullness of what it meant for God to become fully man in Christ Jesus. This is the theology of incarnation. That's the first thing I want to draw out from the passage for us. The second and the last thing that I'm going to do as we close is our our doxology because of his incarnation. Our worship in response 
to his incarnation. And I'd like to close with a couple of thoughts that I hope and believe is going to lead us into doxology or worship. True theology should lead us to true worship. So two things. And here's the first thing. He did it all for you. He did it all for us. The fullness of God confined into the tiny body of a frail and vulnerable newborn infant. God did this for us. He did this all for you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he embraced humanity. He took on flesh and blood in order to save us. And the need for a savior like Jesus is simple. All of humanity had disobeyed God. You and I and every single person ever to have walked on the face of the earth. We have sinned. And so since it was men and women who had sinned, justice demands that men and women be punished for our sins or men and women, we have to atone for our sins. Only a human could atone for the sins of human. But since every human being is sinful, no human could really atone for our sins. So all men and women, we were condemned to face the eternal displeasure of a holy God. Which is why God had to become man. This God-man, Christ Jesus, was conceived of a virgin by the Holy Spirit and so was sinless even in birth. He lived a sinless life, tempted in every way, just as we are and yet without sin. And he went up to death, even death on a cross, as a sacrifice of atonement to pay in, in, pay in full for the sins of anyone who would believe in him. And when he suffered on the cross, Jesus did not use his divinity to ease the pain of his humanity. He took all the suffering as punishment for all of your sins and mine and for the sins of everyone who would believe in him. The blessing that flowed to humanity from the obedient, sinless, perfect life, death, and resurrection of one man, Christ Jesus, took away the curse of sin and disobedience and rebellion of all men and women across all time. And this is how the book of Hebrews in the New Testament describes it. For this reason, Christ Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. He did this for you. He did all this for us. God embraced humanity in order to save us. We need a savior who's both fully God and fully man. The union of two natures in one person was needed for Jesus Christ to be a proper mediator 
between God and man. You see, we need a savior who is high enough to stand in God's presence as our representative, but at the same time is also low enough to stand with us in understanding and tender empathy. Only one person, Christ Jesus, fully God and fully man, could be that mediator meeting the needs of both parties simultaneously. And he did it. For us. That's the first thought of worship drawn out from the doctrine of incarnation. And here's the second and the last line of worship. Second and last thing that I want to share, which I hope and believe is going to lead us to worshiping this Christ Jesus. The incarnation is forever. In Jesus Christ, God became man forever. In the incarnation, God joined himself with humanity forever. You know, when we think of the incarnation, we think of, tend to think of only those 33 years that Jesus lived here on earth. We kind of assume that after his resurrection, Jesus went back to the Father in heaven and and. and with that, the incarnation kind of ended. We tend to think of the incarnation as a 33-year duration when God became man. No, 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 that's not what happened here. That's not what Jesus did when he incarnated. When the Son of Man took on human body, he took that on forever. Forever. Remember that yellow thread and the red thread? The two would, would never be split apart. The two would never be pulled apart. Jesus Christ, fully God, united himself with flesh and blood forever. You see, till that moment, till that moment he was conceived in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit, he was fully God. But from that moment he was conceived, by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb, Jesus became fully God and fully man. Divinity had clothed itself in humanity. Jesus was born fully God and fully man. Jesus lived fully God and fully man. Jesus died on the cross fully God and fully man. Jesus rose again from the dead fully God and fully man. Jesus ascended into heaven fully God and fully man. And when he is seated at the right-hand side of God, right now, interceding for everyone who believes in him, he does his intercession on our behalf, fully God and fully man. When he's going to come back to heal our world and make this beautiful and perfect once again, he is going to come back fully God and fully man. And when Jesus spends eternity with everyone who believes in him, he will do so fully God and fully man. In Jesus Christ, the incarnation, God took on humanity once and for all, forever. God, a high and mighty and beautiful and glorious and perfect God, embraced lowly humanity forever. On the first day of Christmas, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, clothed himself with humanity forever. Forever. I've been a follower of Jesus for about 30 years now. And it is only in this year's Advent season that I've begun to fully appreciate 
the eternal nature of the incarnation. Grudem, the theologian I was quoting earlier, puts it this way. From the moment of his birth, Jesus was fully God and fully man in one person. And he will be so forever. All for you. Will you believe in this Jesus? Will you put your faith in him and only him? Would you receive this Jesus as your savior today, right now? Will you receive this Jesus or will you reject him? If God, if God would clothe himself in humanity forever in order to save you, if God would do so much for you, would you still sit on the fence afraid to take the plunge and receive Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Or will you stand up in faith? Will you stand up in worship and receive this Jesus as your God and Savior today? For those of us who are followers of Jesus, what can you give? What can we bring? Nothing, absolutely nothing, except grateful adoration and a feeble prayer, crying out, God, help me live as your son Jesus lived. God, help me live as your son Jesus lived. Let us pray. Spirit of God, we welcome you. You're the only one who's, who's going to truly help us understand what it meant for God to become man. And you are the only one who can birth Jesus in every one of our hearts. So come, Lord. If you're at a stage where you feel you, you want to receive this Jesus as your Savior now, even as I pray, would you lay your hand on your heart and just simply say, Lord Jesus, I receive you. Jesus, I believe in you. Help me. That is all it takes. I'm going to give you a minute to do that. Father, we pray for everyone, Lord in whose heart your spirit has birthed his desire to believe in Jesus even today. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Spirit of God, and birth faith, birth new life, birth regeneration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.